Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So let's start today with a little uh, thought experiment. Is that okay? Cool. We're doing it either way. Um, so can you imagine for yourself just the, the front page of a newspaper? You guys remember newspapers? You guys got it? You're imagining it? Anyone want to volunteer who is on the front page of their newspaper? The Astros. That's great. Okay, anyone else? Cool. The imagination is low this week. That's cool. Everyone was like, Astros is cool with me. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. We'll go with the Astros. Okay, so uh, when you look at that front page of the paper, if you were holding it in your hands, you would see Jose Altuve. Let's go with Altuve. Uh, but if you put that same newspaper under a microscope, you wouldn't see Jose Altuve. You guys get this? You would see an amalgamation. That's right, I use the word amalgamation. It's in my notes, you're welcome. Uh, you would see a collection of colored dots, right? You got, can you imagine this? But then if you zoom out, you get to see Jose Altuve. It just depends on how you're seeing. And like right now, you are sitting in a padded black chair in the Heights Theater, but if you zoom out a little bit, you're like floating on a space rock in infinite nothingness. Just depends on how you're seeing it, right? (laughs) The difference is all in how you're seeing. And today we're starting a a new series on the parables of Jesus. And this is what I want you to hear. We're going to start this and we're going to walk through these really famous stories from Jesus over the next couple of months, that these divine stories are giving us a new way to see everything. We have such a limited way that we see the world, and sometimes we need to zoom out, and sometimes we need to zoom way in. But these divine stories give us a new way to see everything. And these are kind of the most famous teachings of Jesus. And a lot of times we remember them because they're stories. And because they're stories, a lot of times we get taught these stories when we're really, really young. So they are like carved into our brains, like the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son. The word parable, it literally means to go around. And so a parable, the idea is that it kind of circles the truth with narrative and characters and storytelling. But Jesus, it's just important to note, Jesus didn't invent the parable. He's not the first one to use a parable. This is just the way that all first century rabbis taught. And rabbinic tradition tells us that this way of teaching came to be because of our limitation of language. And these rabbis knew that just describing God literally, like God has a mighty hand. Well, that wasn't enough. So they decided that they should uh, describe God as maybe a king who throws a banquet and invites everyone or a shepherd who looks for that one lost sheep. It's more than a definition. These parables, they paint a picture. They use narrative. It's more like a poem or a song. And I know that we often want uh, Jesus' teaching to act as like a dictionary definition of the world. We want God to be perfectly defined. We want ourselves to be perfectly defined. We want one right answer. But that's not how these parables work. They're not a dictionary. It's a poem. It's a song. It's a story. And so we're going to just get in them a little bit with the hopes that it gives us a new way to see. Today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus tells this parable, this story with characters about a farmer who's sowing seed. 
and he scatters the seed and some of it falls on rocky places and it doesn't take root and some of the seed falls in thorns and the thorny weeds keep the seeds from taking root and really growing and some of the seed falls on good soil where the seed is able to take root and produces a huge harvest. Have you guys heard this before? Maybe before, maybe when you're doing some evangelism training, some of you were like, I have never done that. That's okay. Congratulations. <laughs> but if you don't know this parable, it's just kind of an odd story because Jesus shouldn't be giving farming advice, but this is the story he tells. And so for his disciples, the first people hearing this story, um, they didn't get it because it's kind of odd that their rabbi, their spiritual leader would be like, can I tell you a quick story about farming? And so they ask Jesus the same question that we should be asking in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. Why do you speak to the people in parables? It's a great question because they've been following Jesus around and he keeps telling these really confusing stories. And instead of just um, passively receiving them and then just walking away and going, they ask and they say, why are you teaching like this? Like they've seen him do the miracles and they're saying, couldn't you just give us the answer, which I think all of us can relate to. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is like a classic Jesus statement where he uses the same words over and over again, and you kind of read it and go like, huh, okay. (laughs) Because Jesus says, I teach this way. I use narrative and storytelling. I don't give a dictionary definition because some people can see without really seeing. Some people can hear without really hearing. Which again, we should mostly just go like, huh, (laughs) like it's okay that that's confusing. That's a tough thing to hear from the person. If you are expecting Jesus to be um, your spiritual answer man who gives us the definitions for the universe, this is not a good answer. Jesus says, you can see but not really see. You can hear but not really hear. And so as we read all of these parables over the next couple of months, the only real question is, can you see? Are you really seeing? Can you actually really see what's in front of you? Can we see God for who God really is? So when Jesus tells a story about uh, you know, building a house on a rock or about faith like a mustard seed, Jesus is inviting us to see the thing behind the thing to sometimes zoom out, to sometimes zoom in, to see ourselves for who we really are. We just need eyes to see. The question is just, are we seeing? Richard Rohr says that all spiritual awakening is about learning how to see. And the Jesus revolution, these gospels that we've been in this entire year, the the Jesus way is as much or more about changing our perception of the world as it is about changing our internal beliefs. Jesus isn't walking around saying, I think you should change the way you believe. Jesus is inviting everyone to see the world differently. Spiritual awakening is about learning how to see. And so these parables that we'll be in are about opening our eyes, about not just being people who see but don't really see. And listen, I get that this might feel like a little woo-woo, okay? 
like awakening and seeing, but not really seeing. The crystal ceremony is two months from today. Are you guys ready? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I'm ready right now. I got it. But for, this is a conversation rooted in what's called Christian mysticism, which again, you're like, oh no. Okay, so I get it. So the Christian mysticism is about seeing the world in a way that understands that God is everywhere, that God's divine spark is present everywhere, in everything, that everything belongs and everything is included and everyone is included and every past and every present and every future is included because all of it is spiritual. God is present in everything. Seeing, but not seeing. Awakening. Mysticism. Let's go. Are you guys ready for the next couple months? Some of you are like, no, but I will take a taco on my way out. And I respect that. So let me give you, let me get a little, just like put some legs on this, get a little more practical. Let me give you some language around this. Okay, so let's work through these three words, awareness, noticing, and seeing. So like right now in this room, I am aware of you. So like I'm aware, if I, I'm aware of like what color shirt you're wearing. Uh, I'm aware if you are awake. Newsflash, I am aware of that. I'm aware, but I'm not really noticing it. Like, I won't remember it. If you ask me tomorrow what shirt someone was wearing, I won't remember. Right? I'm aware, but I'm not noticing. And as I scan the room, I'm really only noticing that which my brain tells me is important to notice. Right? So I'm, I might notice, like, if you shaved your head between last week and this week, Chandler. That was two weeks ago. Chandler's in the back. Sorry. <laughs> Everyone's like, who shaved their head? It was Chandler. <laughs> I might notice who you're sitting with. So I go like, oh, I didn't know they were friends. I might notice that, right? More than awareness, I might notice it, maybe. But the truth is, I'm really only noticing things, not just that are important, I'm noticing things that my brain tell me are different or new. So I don't, if you're sitting in the same place you always sit, congratulations, I know where you sit. I don't notice it as anything new or different. You understand this just intuitively? When things are the same, we just, we just don't notice. So it's why when you get that weird scratch on your wall at your house, it really bothers you at first. And then three months later, you're like, what scratch? Because <laughs> you just don't notice it. You're aware, but you're just not noticing. And then on the other side of noticing is actually seeing the world but rarely do we get past noticing. But when we're sitting on the other side of awareness in that noticing place, we're able to judge. We like to do that. We're able to evaluate. We're able to classify things, put things in their right place based on what our brain tells us is important, but we're not really seeing. We have an awareness, some things we notice, but rarely do we actually see, like deeply see. But when I stop, even right now, and this may make you nervous, but even when I stop right now and slow down in this room long enough, some of you, I can see. And you may not know it, but some of you are wearing your fatigue and your pain. And I can see, if I slow down, if I choose to go past just classifying, judging, and evaluating, I might be able to actually see what's in front of me. But so often we see, but we don't see. 
We are aware, we notice, but we don't see. Alan Watts says this, it is a characteristic of consciousness to ignore stimuli that are constant. When when anything is constant, our mind says, okay, that's safe, it's in the bag, you didn't pay attention to that anymore. And therefore we eliminate systematically from our awareness all the gorgeous things that are going on all the time. And listen, this idea of Christian mysticism, that God is present everywhere, sometimes it's hard for us to be aware of it or even notice it, and definitely hard for us to see it because that divine spark in the world is a constant. It is always present. So much so that our brain tells us not to notice it anymore, and we miss all the beauty. We eliminate from our awareness all the gorgeous things happening all the time because the love of God, the presence of God is so constant in our life. It is pulsing in our reality all the time. It's like our background music that we forget about. And so Jesus shows up as someone who is able to see, who is constantly seeing. It's so much of his teaching is seeing people. Like with Zacchaeus up in the tree, it says Jesus saw him and he called him by name. Jesus shows up as someone who is seeing the world And then he invites us through these stories and these parables and these narratives with these characters to actually start seeing. More than just evaluating or classifying or judging. More than just noticing when something is different or new, but really see the world for what it is. All the things behind the things. And at this point in my life, uh, I'm pretty comfortable with being a person that has a weird job. Like I'm quoting Jesus and Alan Watts. Some of you are like, never heard of Alan Watts. Don't Google him. Don't worry about it. I don't want you to judge me later for my like 70s psychedelic professors that I read. Uh, No one ever knows what to do when I tell them I'm a pastor. Most of the time, people like to tell me about their like fifth cousin who's a pastor in some place I've never heard of. Like we all know each other or something. And some of you have done that recently, and I'm sorry for calling you out for that. (laughs) You're feeling very nervous about it. But as a part of this kind of odd job, uh, I do a lot of talking. And what I sometimes am aware of is that not everyone is always listening. And uh, a few years ago, I told this story um, about snorkeling off the coast of Maui. Maybe you remember this story. Probably not. But just tell me you remember it if you do. Uh, Katie and I went snorkeling in Maui. And it was like the most beautiful place I've ever seen. Have you ever done that? you might know. So it's like every color of the rainbow and all the vegetation in the world, and there were turtles and dolphins, and it was amazing. But I had a really hard time doing it because I wouldn't um, breathe into the snorkel. I just kept holding my breath like a child. <laughs> like I just, I couldn't do I couldn't force my body to do it. And so I told this story that I was like really into, you know, about how I couldn't trust what was given to me, all the tools that were given to me, that I couldn't surrender, that I couldn't let go. And all that that meant was that I didn't get to experience the beauty that was all around me. And I was so into the story. And I got an email that afternoon that said, your sermon today, that was the subject line, which by the way, if you send me that, I'm opening, okay? Just be aware. So I open it and this kind uh, fella uh, said in full sincerity, Uh, He sent me an email that said, hey, since you weren't great at snorkeling, 
I want to recommend some Hawaiian scuba places for you. It's super easy. Highly recommend. Here's three links. Which is fine. But that guy who's in, I don't remember him, to be honest. I didn't see him. But um, he thought I was talking about my vacation experience. Like he heard me, but he didn't hear me, you know? Like he didn't know I was talking about surrender and letting go and experiencing beauty. He thought I maybe wanted to have a better vacation the next time I go. <laughs> he noticed, but he didn't see. And my fear about church, about doing all of this together, about getting up and talking about these stories is that we'll just sit around and we'll just like give scuba recommendations to each other. That we'll read these amazing and complicated and beautiful stories and we'll debate things like whether they're literally true, how historical they are, or we'll try to systematize them and put them in a certain order. We'll debate them as if they're a science textbook. And in the end, all we'll do is see them, but we won't really see them. I want to see. I want you to see our world. That if we look long enough, maybe we might could find some divine spark, some compassion in a way we haven't seen before. I want you to see I want you to know that there is love, more love than you've noticed before. And so we're going to read these parables, and some of them are complicated, and some of them are hard to deal with. But I'm hoping that at some, in some small way when we get through them, we'll see a little deeper. We'll look a little longer, and we'll find a little bit more love. And so for you, do you feel like you are able to see like when you look at our world, when you encounter the people in your life, are you able to see, right? More than awareness, more than noticing, do you ever actually see? And for you, what most often keeps you from seeing? From seeing the world, from seeing God, from seeing love? What is standing in your way? And maybe it's a default to our dualistic thinking. So when, when we're sitting in that kind of noticing moment, and we start judging and classifying and evaluating, most of the time we go like important, not important. Or um, we say good or bad about our world, about people. We say deserving or undeserving, sacred, profane. We just, we immediately classify people into categories of positive or negative. We classify places, things, experiences as good or bad. And maybe just not getting out of that evaluation is what keeps us from seeing. That we just live there as if that is our role in the world, to evaluate and judge and classify. Maybe being willing, when you feel that in yourself, when you feel that you're doing that, maybe just being able to step in further. To say, that's fine, that's what happens, my brain does it, no judgment on myself, no self-condemnation. I just need to go a little further. And so what would it look like for you to practice seeing? Or maybe it's zooming in, or maybe it's zooming out. Most of the time, I think it's just about slowing down, that we just don't spend enough time, that we're just in too much of a hurry. I read recently about a parent who, when their kids really activate them, if you're a parent, you're like, I get it. <laughs> when their kids really activate them, they try to pause and look at their children's hands to just be reminded how small they are, how scared they must be. 
her sticky little toddler hands. <laughs> so maybe you just need to slow down. Maybe you need to find a practice like that. You say, what is the thing I could focus on? Right? Because there is always more happening. So slow down and then maybe zoom in, see if there's a thing behind the thing. Maybe zoom out to notice whatever thing is happening is not that important right now. Right? That's what happens when we zoom out. We just get perspective and say, oh yeah, I remember that thing that was just like this uh, six months ago that I thought about for a whole day and then I've never thought about again. So we just zoom out a little bit. Or, or maybe if that all feels um, too complicated or too like out in space, maybe I could invite you into a practice that when you experience a negative emotion, and you will today, maybe you already have, like if you experience anger or sadness or disappointment or the things that you classify as a negative emotion, maybe just try breathing in, I want, and breathing out to see. Just, I want to see. That's it. Just take the time to just breathe that in and out. And that's all you have to do. Maybe you say, I'm not actually able to do more than judge and classify my world. I hear you. I get it. Maybe you're not able to focus on your toddler's uh, you know, sweet little sticky hands when they're screaming bloody murder at you. I get it. But maybe do just enough to breathe in and breathe out. I want to see. And that could be your prayer. That could be your practice about really seeing the world for what it is. Right? These simple parables aren't a dictionary definition. They are a song, and they are an invitation to experience God everywhere. All spiritual awakening is about learning how to see. And while I have you here, looking you in the eyes, seeing some of you, I want you to know today that you are worth seeing. You are worth slowing down for. You. You are worth seeing and slowing down for. You have a divine spark. You are interconnected harmony and overflowing beauty. And I know that at different times in your life, there may have been pastors, spiritual leaders that look like me and sound like me and hold a microphone like me and stand on a stage like me who have told you that you are not good and that you might even be wicked. That because of your gender, you might be less than. Or because of your sexual orientation, you might even be an abomination. And maybe because of all of that, you've been afraid to look inward. Maybe you've been afraid to slow down and to zoom in on yourself. But listen, if you see our world, if you, who you are right now, this isn't about someone else, this is about you. If you look out and you see our world as beautiful and you experience God as loving, but you refuse to ever behold your own goodness and beauty and worth, then I have missed it as your pastor. I want you to see, but today maybe we could just start by looking inward with the conviction and the knowledge and the trust that we are worth seeing, that you are worth knowing, that you are worth slowing down for, that you have a divine spark, that you are interconnected harmony and overflowing beauty. No matter what anyone has ever told you, you are good. All spiritual 
awakening is about learning how to see. And so today, start with yourself. Look inward. Behold, you are a good thing. So gather, this is my prayer for us today. Open your eyes and behold. Look in, look out, and look up. God is everywhere. Love is everywhere. Our world is worth seeing, and so are you. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.